1: Welcome to the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, or JOMA podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Minkin. I'm a general pediatrician and proud JOMA member. And tonight I'm really, really honored and really excited to be here today with Nahama Narenberg, who is a doula. Um, she says, I am a wife and mother of four, Baruch Hashem. She works as a doula for over 20 years. She says she took courses, classes in breastfeeding, emergency birth, EMT, neonatal resuscitation techniques, on more efficient pushing, um, BRM, which is called Body Ready Method, and body balancing, which um, are techniques to quote, alleviate pain during pregnancy and for easier births. So I was really, really excited about this interview. Um, Nahama was the one who had the viral audio going around. Um, about her experience at Niagara Falls. And I'm not gonna say any more because she's going to um, tell her story and you'll get a little bit of an update from that audio. Um, And it was, I'm really grateful to Nahama for doing this episode with me um, two weeks after having her baby. Um, So I'm really grateful for that. And again, any topics you wanna hear, any comments, Any ideas for a podcast, if you yourself want to be interviewed or you know someone, please reach out to us at health, H-E-A-L-T-H, at joma.org. Nahama, thank you so much for joining me tonight. No problem. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. And I have to tell you something cute. I was talking to my daughter today, and she said, Wow, mom, just yesterday you said, I don't know anything about doulas. And today you're the biggest doula fan, what happens? Birth is a topic
2: that touches us all. And we all, a lot of us have what ifs. And we always wonder like, you know, if I would've had a doula, would things be different? End of the day, Hashem's in charge, but we could all stack our cards in the right direction. So this topic is all about, you know, you wanted to talk about, interview Adula and doula's
1: thoughts and things that you heard. I do, and I want to start with what is a doula because not, not everybody knows exactly. Right. So a doula is really, at the
2: end of the day, a doula is a supportive friend that knows a lot information about birth. Some of us know more than others. Some of us have taken a lot more training than others. Um, at the end of the day, you're really hiring a friend to come and support you in your needs and help you um, be able to voice your needs during your birth. I love to make that. make mm-hmm. you feel safe and strong throughout your birth. I love that. that. That's love a
1: birth. Yeah. I love that. How does your role differ from that of all the other people working with someone having a baby?
2: So there's so many wonderful people in the birth room. There's, of course, your partner. Um, who is your biggest support, but sometimes feels lost in what to help you with, and sometimes watching their wife, it's hard on them to see, and um, it's nice to have a second person to shoulder that weight. Um, there's the midwife or doctor, who is the one there for, you know, there to catch, and they can be very supportive too, emotionally, and sometimes even physically. Um but at the end of the day, but their job is to catch the baby. There's the nurses and many nurses have a lot of knowledge. And, and these days, nurses um, like to take classes. They wanna be able to help moms rotate babies, help them have an easier birth. Um, and they have, you know, they, they also have tricks up their sleeves. Um, a that comes in, you know, it usually starts with you at home. And um, many people wanna stay home as long as possible, just because, um we you you want to you want to be home and today hospitals are so backed up and the shortage of nurses it's hard to get a room um so so do this start with you at home with physical support emotional support um and then they come with you to the hospital and in the hospital itself, their job is not just to be there to help the nurse and to help the doctor, but they're there also to um, physical support, to know what positions can get you past this or affirmations, um, even coming up with suggestions because nurses and midwives and doctors are busy
0: right. and
2: they can't be there constantly to give you suggestions and ideas.
1: Um, that's that's where we come in. Right. I think that's awesome. So what kinds of things do you do to help? You mentioned physical, you mentioned emotional. What kinds of things would that be? Um, so with emotional,
2: it's really reminding you that this is a, a even though a hard experience for some of us um, and some for very, you know, if they're having back labor, very painful experience, it's positive. We want to keep it positive. We want to remind you. That birth is a positive experience, and we want to remind you you're having a baby and remind you that how strong you are and how beautifully your body's doing it. Um, encourage them that they're doing it. Great. That's the emotional part. Um, and a lot of times we meet the moms ahead of time so we know we've, we've done our research and we've got them to know what their fears are to help them through the birth. Um, That's the emotional part. The physical part is whether it's counter pressure, massage, sometimes just gentle strokes. Every mom Mm. needs something different. Sometimes it's support someone to lean on. We could be the pole, the pole that they wanna hang on to. Um, And um, we also, I've taken many courses over the years and I've also learned positions, um, how to release different tendons or uh, muscles. Um, massage it out so the baby can come into the canal easier. Um, Maybe even a technique a a position that will turn the baby to get the baby into the canal. Nothing's magic, but um, we do try to bring as much to the table as possible to make things easier and smoother. Right, what kind of training do you need to become a doula? Really, it's almost no training. You can read a few books. You, there's a do the training course. Some of them are more intense than others, but they ask you. they require you to read certain books. They teach you some techniques. They tell you some birth stories. They require you to take a lactation class, um, a childbirth class. Um, I'm trying to remember, it's been, it's been, I I redid my certification recently. I'm just trying to remember what's required though. And you do need, they do require you to take a test um and maybe some some of the um courses ask you to write essays and, and stuff like that and tend and attend a few births and be marked on it by the husband the the mother the, maybe even the doctor or the nurse
1: be marked on right so that would be we would call the basic training right right because you mentioned some things in your bio that i never heard of you said brm I yes. had to look up what that stood for body ready. Ready what method. Is?
2: What is yeah. that? So it's, it's great. I'll, I'll tell you with my first birth, the pain, um, and then with my second baby, it got even worse. Um, and I reached out to somebody who did some kind of alignment class. And I just, she just had a baby. I said, can you send me some exercises? And she sent me a few stretches and the pain went away. Um, and then with the next pregnancy, I took her course before and afterwards, and I had no pain during the pregnancy. It was amazing. Um, so it's what it is, it's all about aligning the body, balancing mm-hmm. it properly, um, so that the, um, the weight of the baby doesn't pull on things in different directions that can cause pain. Um, it also helps the pelvic floor muscles, strengthening the pelvic floor. It also helps the baby get into the position and come through the canal and pushing should be easier with this class as well. That's um, cool. It, yeah.
1: That, it's that's also, a class that you take, not a class the parents take though, right? So they can take it too. Oh. So I
2: took, I took training on how to give it to other people. And there are many teachers out there that give this class And um, even this pregnancy, even though I was already trained, I took a class with with Hannah Schomer. She's in Vegas, but she does it over Zoom. And it's a great Mm -hmm. class. Um, So much so that I took it even though I'm
1: trained in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It sounds sounds really helpful. That's really cool. Yeah. So also you mentioned um, something else, body balancing. Is that something different? No, the body balancing is the BRM. Okay, okay. I was wondering, um, there, so many
2: else. people might call it the body balance class. They might
1: call it um, things body like body. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and it looks also like you took an EMT course, emergency, you know, you, you know, a lot of things. Not every doula would know that.
2: Right. Not every doula um, knows that. And not everybody takes training. Some people learn stuff over time but many of us do want to learn. We've taken lactation courses. We've taken hypnobreathing courses. Um, I took a neonatal resuscitation course. I really have to renew it again, but it made, um, it's such an eye-opening. It's all about how, when the baby comes through, it's transition, um, what to know when there's an issue, when there's not an issue, God forbid, I'm at a birth and a woman has a baby, one, two, three, it happens sometimes, and I'm there being the midwife, um, it's good to know how to handle a newborn that's not breathing
1: properly. Right, I mean, in an extreme emergency, because just to be clear, right. that's not your role. There's no medical role in terms of medical provider role. It's support right. person. Right. right. I'm really wondering if it comes up in your work that there is a clash in, in um, the way roles are perceived. But so, um, there's,
2: there's times that do, things do come up for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. A doctor will say, mom needs a C-section and you would be like, listen, let's give her some time. It is her first birth. Yeah, things are taking forever. She's not dilating, but this can happen. Let's give her another few days. I know you're impatient. I'm definitely impatient. I'm tired. I would like to go home, but that's not my goal at the end of the day my goal is to, you know, keep going, baby's doing great. Yeah. Mom's bored. I'm bored. We're done, but let's keep going.
1: And sometimes, you know, we make it. So again, you know, back, back to roles. I mean, I think there may be a conflict if the doula is seen as somebody who's there for, for medical advice. Right. Right. So yeah. mm.
2: So this would be a situation where the doctor would say, look, I'm the doctor, she's not dilating. And I'll say, look, we talk outside. I know, and sometimes doctors are willing to listen and hear. Um, There's a nice way of saying it, obviously, because you you want to work as a team Mm -hmm. for your client's sake. Mm -hmm. So this is, yeah, this
1: is when you do clash. Um, I thought it was interesting because I looked up, there's a very good um, website called evidencebasedbirth.com. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. So they had, a, they had a really nice section on doulas um, written by a nurse and one of the things she pointed out was the concept of primacy of interest is that you know your job is not you know to be saying what should be done it's you're there for the person having the baby right right we
2: do pick up we do pick up stuff at times and many nurses know us Mm-hmm. And some of us, some of the nurses do get upset. I have had times where the phenol monitor comes off and I'll readjust it, and then I'll nurse will say, That's not your scope. Don't do that. And then there's other times I keep my hands to myself, and the nurse will put her head in and say, Nahama, readjust the monitor. <laughs> so I'm like, Which one do I do? Um, I think but-
1: it's really about teamwork, right?
2: It's 100% about teamwork. We do, as doulas, we really try our best to get along with the nurses. Um, if there's a grouchy nurse, we really try to like compliment her, give her positive reinforcement, love. Some some of the doulas send in cookies yeah. and donuts, you know, sometimes during the year, which is really sweet. Um, even, the, even moms do it sometimes. Um, and, and we try to make friends with the doctor. I have this one doctor. I don't like working with him because I, he doesn't like me. And he treats my clients badly. So I always tell moms, if you want to go with them, please use another doula. Because why, I, doesn't,
1: why doesn't he like you? Can you tell me? I'm curious. Oh, no. How can he not like <laughs> he you? Know. What's not to like? I'm <laughs> um, sure there's plenty.
2: Um, he doesn't like me. And I, I don't know why. And the other, there's a big group. And when the other doctor's are on shift, it's fine. I can talk them through, I can, you know, he comes in and he yells at my clients. Um, no, I stopped. Um, I, I was with one client, like I was had a few births and then I said, no more. Um, I was with one client and the doctor changed shift and he was coming on shift. And I turned to my clients and I apologized. I said, he doesn't like me. He's going to yell at you. I'm sorry. And sure enough, he came in and he yelled at my clients. No. So I, I can't work with him because of that. Right.
1: right. You can't be it's, part of a team if you don't have ever been, being team players. It's
2: not fair to my clients. I right. have to let them know this is the situation, you know.
1: Right, right. No, absolutely. Um, what would you say are the benefits of using a doula?
2: The benefits of using a doula. first of, of all, they've done, they've done studies where they had just a woman, a stranger, mm-hmm. sitting in the room behind the curtain, and just having somebody present lowered intervention rates. I don't know if it calmed the mom down, made her more relaxed, maybe she was able to dilate more easier. I don't know what it what, what you know what a change, but that was the study. Now hiring a doula is having you're, you're, you're your 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 stacking of cards and having somebody come with you um, who knows you and you feel comfortable with. Hopefully you built a relationship with them and in order to um, help you have a more comfortable and you know relaxing birth. Um, that's, that's the concept. And then we also come with tricks and tools that can also help. Um, it may help them have an epidural later. You know, if that's their goal. Um, stay home as long as possible. Um, try for a
1: V-back. Um, have a more comfortable C-section because we do go to C-sections to plan C-section. I saw that. I saw that. It comes up when you Google it. Should you have a doula for your C-section? And the answer was yes. Right. Um, it's.
2: The, when you're at a C-section, the doctors, many times the nurses forget the mom behind the curtain. So I sit there and I talk to moms and I tell them what they're up to. Um, I look at the reflection, <laughs> in the ceiling or the window. And the, the mom looks at me. She's like, did they start? I said, they already started. I'm like, do you feel anything? No. I said, great. You're doing great. I said in two minutes your baby will be out. And then as soon as the baby's out, I'm like, wait, mom wants to see the baby. So then they're like, Oh wait, right, bring the baby up to mom. Not all doctors forget, but a lot of times you hear a lot of chattering on the other side and moms don't exist. See <laughs>
1: Right that's a perfect example of the advocacy role you know and i was reading that it can be controversial the advocacy role because the part you talked earlier if you're saying well you know i don't think that they should have a c section or i don't think you know they need more pushing or whatever you know i'm not saying you shouldn't i'm not saying what to do i'm just saying that that could be more controversial because you right. are kind of saying this is what i think should happen medically but when you're saying hey don't forget about the mom she didn't see her baby right like, that's clear cut pure advocacy in the right Right, so even with
2: the mom who, who she wasn't dilating, mm-hmm. that's advocacy too. Yes, no, for sure. The doctor is saying, "Well, she's not dilating. Maybe she can't dilate." But if you really look through through history, you see moms are in labor for a long time before anything happens. Um, just I think we're in a more impatient right. generation, and they want things, you know, done out, finished. Um, in your generation, my mother's generation, I think if induction didn't work, they would send moms home and tell them to come back another day, which was really it was hard. It's hard to start over, but right. they, it's also
1: very litigious, right? I mean, they have to also worry, you know, could I get sued if there's a bad outcome? You know, for there's sure, a lot of pressures here, right? Um, and th- I can see how that could be more more of a delicate balance. Um, I want to talk a little bit about expectations. I asked you before, do people still make birth plans? Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk you about birth plans.
2: Sure. So people still do make birth plans. So the way I see birth plans is some providers get defensive with birth plans. Some people, some divider, um some providers love it and they'll go over everything and they'll they'll like go through the checklist. We do that, we do that. Yes, we will do that. Um what I would like people to know that the end of the day of your birth plan, you should always write in very large letters, healthy mother, healthy baby. And there should be, you know, note that there can be changes in your birth plan. And even if there's changes in your birth plan, you can get some things out
1: of your birth plan. There's still hope for some things at your birth plan. Um, do Do you work with with your clients beforehand in terms of you know realistic expectations like this?
2: We do talk through things. Um, I don't want to bring up it's it's hard. You have to bring up all the stuff that can come up. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to because I don't want to ever scare a mom. My goal is not to scare a mom. Look, if you do research an old, the things, in induction, all the medication they use, epidurals, if you do your research, everything has their ups and their downs to it and the pros and their cons to it. Um, I like moms to know enough information, but not too much. Um, because if it comes to a situation where a mom has to be induced and now she's frightened of Pitocin or she's frightened of cytotech, or she's frightened of Cervidil or, you know, ballooning, whatever she's frightened of, it becomes a challenge. So we have to come up with, you know, a way to say yes. That is a situation. It's not going to be your situation. How do I know? It just—it's a prayer, and
1: you're not the statistics. You're not, right. be, you right. know, but, that number. Right. Man plans. Right. Yes. And Hashem laughs. Right. You can't. I mean, you—you you know. I remember with my first reading and planning, and I had a certain idea of the way things were going to be, and then they weren't that way. <laughs> so. Right. And that's, you know, that's what I think. That's what I think the whole challenge is. I want to talk a little bit about, maybe a lot, (laughs) about a piece that I read in Mishpacha magazine that I shared with you. Um, Thank you so much for doing this with me, by the way, two weeks after giving birth yourself.
2: (laughs) I was thinking, should I cancel? Should I not cancel? I'll I'll just do it. We'll see how it goes.
1: We're winging it and you're doing awesome. You all are, all of you. (laughs) you. (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit, giving you a chance to, you know, um, (laughs) I'll talk just a little bit about this. Um, This was from Words Unspoken in the July 26, 2022 Mishpacha magazine. And this was what made me want to interview a doula, by the way. Um, And we'll get to your story in a little bit and how they kind of happened around the same time. Um, So the woman wrote in a letter to her doula that she had. And she said, you determine the type of birth you have. Epidurals are the worst possible thing you can do for your body and can certainly be avoided. Women I work with never have a C-section. And she was very upset about this because in fact, she ended up having an epidural and a C-section. Um, and she was very upset because she felt like this doula was telling her that you're in control. Right. Which is not true. Not true. No. Right. No, it's not sure. So she, you know, she was upset that she felt that, you know, if something else, if something bad happens, you know, the baby didn't do well, or there was a tight umbilical cord or some, you know, thing, it would have to be her fault. And, you know, she did have a prolonged labor and you talk about, you know, how long, you know, you're going to wait for a dilation or for the pushing stage or whatever. Um, you know, if, if your plan is no interventions, right? No epidural, no no IV fluids, no et cetera. Um, with her story, she had a prolonged pushing stage of two hours. Right. Um, and not only was she pushing for a long period of time, but the baby was in distress. Right. That, that was the key there. The baby was in distress and she needed an emergency C section. And she said that was like the ultimate no no that, you know, the doula had drilled into her that we should never right. have that. I- so sorry. Yay.
2: First of all, I want to tell you, I want to tell everybody that pushing for two hours, especially for a first time mom is not long and it will not put right. baby into distress. I don't want anybody to be afraid to right. push for a long time. I've seen women push for a lot longer. Right, the key um, was the baby distress here. Right, okay. So I just want to put that out there because I don't want anybody sure. to be afraid. I don't want anybody to be scared to push and, and to really work and to keep going. Um, So I'm so sorry for that mother. I'm so sorry for the pressure and the stress that was, and the guilt that was laid on her. That wasn't, that's not fair. Um, I do know providers who say that if you get an epidural there is a bigger chance of a C-section. Interventions, they do say there's a cascade intervention Mm -hmm. to to a C-section. I've also seen epidurals save moms from C-sections too. It can go both ways. Um, They say that moms can lay their flat and they can have end up with a C-section. I've seen moms lay flat for days and eating yogurt and watching TV while they have an epidural and and Pitocin and have an easy vaginal birth. Hashem's in charge at the end of the day. I I don't want anybody ever to be afraid to get an epidural. An epidural is a tool I do feel very strongly. That everybody has a skill. It shouldn't be. I don't want anybody going into the hospital saying, I'm getting my epidural when they walk in yeah. because it's not reality. It's not reality. Um, and it's not reality with the first, first birth. They don't want to give you an epidural right away a lot of times. And with rooms being backed up these days, you're not getting an epidural so fast. So I encourage moms to go out and go get some kind of breathing technique and practice it. It's not just about taking a class and then hopefully it'll work later. It's putting in the work and getting, not just breathing techniques, but a relaxing technique, a way to release your muscles. Um, You can do it every night before you go to sleep or might make you fall asleep. And a movement, some kind of movement that feels right to you, Um, belly dancing rocking it out, whatever, you know, you go on YouTube and you can find (laughs) women who dance for their labors and, and have a technique because you will not get your epidural right away. Epidurals, can they cause issues? Yes, I've Mm -hmm. seen it. Mm -hmm. I've seen it clearly. I've seen situations where an epidural caused a baby's heart rate to flatline and they had to run her into a C-section. I've seen that. Yes. I've seen a baby, um, go to the NICU for two days because the breathing, because of the epidural. Um, and I've seen babies get floppy and not be able to get down to the canal so easy. So it's a little more of a slow down. I've seen epidurals cause labors to stop, but it
1: doesn't mean that you can't get an epidural. Um, right. Right. And, you know, to me, it's, everybody's different, right? I yeah. mean, to me, it's kind of It's not the same as breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, but there is kind of a very polarized debate on both. So I'm comparing it. And some people do come out straight and say, I don't want to try to nurse. I want to try to bottle feed. I want to bottle feed and that's it. And, you know, as a pediatrician, I respect that. And I would respect to someone who says, I do want an epidural. I want an epidural. That's how I want to do my birth. But even for those people, it's important to have those skills because it doesn't always work right, or it wears off. Right. Or you have pain later, right? right. So those skills right. are, its, it's a. I think that's part of being prepared, whatever your birth plan is.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Epidurals don't always work. Sometimes they work half, half the body and not the other half. And I've also heard that epidurals only take took the edge off and not the full thing. Um, I've had cases, yeah, where it wears off and there's nobody around to be found to help fix it until whatever or it doesn't it takes a while for them to figure out what
1: caused it to wear off right and I think you're also answering the question of do you want a doula even if you have an epidural so if definitely you're planning and have, yes
2: even <laughs> if you, even if you do have a perfect epidural we come as for emotional support and then even when you have an epidural in sometimes um babies, I don't want to descend into the canal. So we will do some movement with you while you have your epidural in. Yes, you are numb. We end up turning you and um, maybe exercising your legs to get the baby to come down or positioning Uh you to get the baby to come down.
1: So we still are doing stuff. And we're also keeping you great company. Hopefully we're great company. Right, right. (laughs) You know, we really can't underestimate, we should not underestimate the role of the emotional support, because I think, you know, when they say healthy baby, happy, you know, healthy mom, you may just be talking physical, but what about the emotional part? And the reason I call this birth stories is because our birth stories are forever. Right. <laughs> right. And exactly. I'm giving you a moment. I want, I, I want your story mm-hmm. <laughs> and your story is really a pre-birth story. Yeah. So we have the baby join us by Ruch Hashem. So I want your story, please. I've been waiting for this.
2: I want to just mention one more thing. <laughs> we two sure? laws are not instead of husbands or mothers. We right. are not. Right. Yes, today we have to choose. Today's are getting better. The hospitals are reopening up. There's more room for more people in the hospital, these right. days. But we are not instead. Right. We're not instead. Not even that, but um, we welcome father support. We try to give them a role as well in the um, in, in the room.
1: Right. Um, so you wanted my story. Wait, wait, wait! i was going to say one more thing now because you brought up fathers um, that I actually read something that fathers have a better experience when there's a doula present. I'm not advertising. I get no money. <laughs> you get no money from this. <laughs> no. But it makes so much sense because think how stressful it is to have to be your wife's doula.
2: So- right. So I want to tell you, my husband's the most amazing support, but I feel like he he asked me this time, do you want a doula? I have a doula for my birth. Um, and I was thinking if my birth would have been like my last birth and the one before that, um, I probably can manage without a doula. Um, I'm very glad I had a doula. And I think he's very glad I had a doula because I Hashem, had a tougher time this time. Yes,
1: let, let's hear it. <laughs> And thank you for thank you for doing this with me. And thank you for sharing this with everybody. I really appreciate so,
2: it. So you want to hear my pre-birth story, my pre-birth here, yes. mir- my yes. pre-birth miracle. So for those who've heard my story, this is a repeat of my story, is that um we I went hiking with my family during the summer when I was about, I was 28, 29 weeks pregnant. Um I went hiking and we were in next to Niagara Falls, it was overlooking the rapids that lead to Niagara Falls. And we were
0: hiking, it was a
2: beautiful hike. Um, I was hiking with my my family, my husband, my kids, my brother-in-laws, and their sister, my sister-in-laws and their kids. Um, and the, the hike wasn't a narrow hike, I want people to know it wasn't narrow, because the whole situation didn't make sense, it was all from Hashem, the whole situation. I was nowhere near the edge. I was walking with my, um, she's now eight. At the time she was almost eight. I was just walking side by side with my daughter. My husband was in her head, nobody else was with me. Kids, some of the, the kids and my brother-in-laws were behind. And I tripped and I fell and I should have just fell on the path. And I don't know how, it felt like a force pushed me towards the edge and I was sliding on my belly um, and there was trees there. I should' have been able to stop me. There was all these trees in front of me. I couldn't grab onto a tree. There was a really thick root. It was a nice thick root that stick up out of the ground. I should have been able to stop myself, grab onto the root, hold on tight and not go anymore. I don't remember grabbing the root. My sister my daughter said that I grabbed the roots and that's how I swiveled around. I started going feet first down this cliff. It was a straight cliff. People were, you know, was it slanted? Did you roll? Was it soft? There were there trees? It was a straight cliff. And also, I just felt like I was floating. And Hashem was holding on to me, and I was floating down this cliff. I, I could only describe it, that I was like Mary Poppins, you know, coming with the umbrella down. That was the only way to describe how I was floating. Um, the cliff the EMTs reported that it was 30 oh meters, which is about 98 feet. Um, where I landed was all boulders. I was right next to the rapids. And the fireman said it was a good thing I didn't fall in the water, which I would think if I fell that many feet, it would be wonderful if I fell in the water. He said it would have been a lot worse. Anyways, I fell, I was sitting. And as I was sitting there, I, I, Like first I was trying to get my bearings because it was such a shock. And then I like, I touched the top of my head. I realized my head wasn't covered and there was a huge boulder right on my side. My sheto was sitting right on top. Mm. I got my sheto, I stuck it back on and I started thanking Hashem for being alive. And I could hear my daughter as I was falling, she was screaming. Mm. It's so hard to to hear your child scream and not be able to help them. I started screaming after her to tell her that I was okay but I think she was like screaming so much she couldn't hear me but at that point my husband had run back to me or my daughter one ran I think they ran to each other but my husband came and he called down to me and he heard me and actually the people kept saying you sure you heard your wife's voice it's not you're in your head so he kept he kept calling down to me and i kept answering because they couldn't believe that i fell so far and i was able to call back up um i said some to hillam i couldn't figure out why hashem threw me down over the mountain and <laughs> caught me so i kept saying to hillam and thanking hashem for all the wonderful thing my healthy children my what healthy husband um anyways while i was there there was these three hikers that hike there all the time, and they found another area to climb down towards me. They cl- they climbed on the boulders near the water to get to me, which they told me they were falling the whole way to get to me. They wanted to make sure I was really okay. Um, when they reached me, they they were so wonderful. They uh, One of the guys cleaned my face because I was bleeding from my face. Um, he had a friend who was a doctor took a picture of me and was on the phone to make sure you know call back and forth am i okay and they collected my shoes they found my phone my phone still working they found my water bottle i was sitting there and they were collecting everything and i think they were trying to make me feel like a normal you know human thing um there was those tour boats going by one of the guys jumped up on a boulder and yelled out to the boats to you know it took took them a while to realize that there was something going on in the beginning they were waving to us um meanwhile my husband told the fire department to come and it took them took them a while to hike to where we were and then they had to use ropes to climb down the mountain to get to me um and while I was sitting there I was I was hyperventilating. And at one point I looked at my fingers and my fingers, I kept looking at my fingers. They're like, what are you looking at? I said, I don't understand. I felt, I feel fine. Yeah, my back was hurting me. I felt so stiff. I couldn't turn around, but I had my fingers. I had my toes. I had my teeth. I was, and I only had three chip nails. I was trying to figure out like, like, how is this possible? possible? Yeah. And, and, you know, they kept saying to me, because well, I was sitting there pregnant, they kept telling me again and again, you're going to have a great story to tell this baby. You have a great story to tell this baby. And I'm thinking, I don't even know if this baby's alive. How could, like, how, I survived? But who says Hashem gave me my baby too? Um, the firemen came down to me and they helped me onto the boat. I half walked and half climbed onto the boat with their help. Um, and they took me further down to shore to get to an ambulance um and they helped me into the ambulance it was it was so funny I I guess I was so confused my age I shaved off 10 years of my age and
0: don't we, we all do that
2: <laughs> <laughs> we do that anyways but like yeah, you're right <laughs> I got all the other questions correct like you know the date the month you know like where I am you know those questions I got correct um I knew how pregnant I was I knew everything else I just you know so and it was cute. The paramedic was up in a second. He was like, how old are you? Because he was calculating with it, my age and my birthday. It didn't make any sense. It didn't add up. Um, so I said, well, I'm going to live to 180. He's like, why that long? I'm sticking my head. I fell down a cliff. I can live. You know, Hashem can <laughs> make anything. Um, anyways, they, they me anything. Anyways, they brought me into the, the hospital. And there was a whole trauma team waiting for me. And I here I come in. I'm sitting up on a gurney. And one nurse is looking at me and asked the paramedic, like, we didn't hear how far did she fall? They're like, you heard us right. She fell 30 meters. So another nurse yells out, how come you didn't intubate her? They're like, she's sitting up, she's talking to us and she's joking with us. Um, So they put me into a room and I see a, a nurse holding a Doppler. I can't even tell you in my head, I kept thinking, hurry up, please, hurry up. Please, I want to know, I want to know. And she came over to me. She said, Can I check? I was like, Please, yes, like, hurry <laughs> up. So, Baruch Hashem, like, the whole room was quiet and she listened to the heartbeat. And Brach Hashem, there was a heartbeat. I feel like the whole room, besides, like, not just me, was like, Ah,
0: right.
2: Yes. My wow. husband came in. My husband What's came in with my kids. Um, I think it was both hard for me to see them and for them to see me because it was such an emotional, like, reunion. And my husband at the same time got a phone call from the, one of the police officers that were on the scene. And my husband told him that the baby's alive and well. And my husband said the police officer was crying on the phone. Aww. Yeah, so Baruch Hashem. Um, I got a compression fracture of my L2 um, vertebrae, um, which we're just leaving for now. We're, you know, leaving it there. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, my my it makes me shorter. My son just reminded me. It makes me a little shorter.
1: I'll never <laughs> let you forget my, that. I'll never for, let complexes,
2: you forget. for complexes and height, you, you know, now I'm a little shorter, but I, I'm still writing the same thing on all my my papers.
1: <laughs> and you're 10 years younger from now on. <laughs> right,
2: exactly. So I- Does that ever
1: put the impact your back?
2: That That's all Baruch Hashem I broke. I had scratches all over me. I had Cuts on my face, cuts on my knee. Um, yes, I had right. I had places that were numb, things were not aligned. I did a lot of acupuncture and I did sacral um, therapy to help my body come back to itself. Um, Baruch Hashem, I, this recovery from
1: birth is like a breeze. After falling hundred feet, it's a hundred feet yeah. by the way. Stop saying thirty meters; it's a hundred feet. Right. right. So, <laughs> Crazy. so. Yeah,
2: so Baruch Hashem, like I was there and I was trying to figure out what I was doing there. So I, I heard people crying in pain at night and I said some Tehillim for them because I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out what I was doing there. Um, and the Chabad rabbi, he's the chaplain, came by. It was really funny. I'm in a town that nobody knows what Jewish people are except one nurse. one nurse. One nurse knew what a Jewish person was. I see through, it was like frosted glass. And I think I see a hat and a beard coming by. The room, I said to my husband, open the door. he opens the door and there is this you know chaplain it turns out to be my friend's brother wow and he says to me like we were talking for a while um and he says how are you alive I don't know like that was his question how are you alive so he unfortunately there's not been such good cases of other situations so and he had to deal with it he was I don't know. Hashem decided to choose me to make a miracle to show the whole world that he's here and And he's in charge charge, and he's in charge and he writes your destiny. We're in his hands and we don't understand his plan, but we're
1: part of a bigger picture. Absolutely. That is just, I mean, I heard it before multiple times because it went viral. Um, But hearing it from you, it's just unbelievable. I'm wondering how that works into your work as a doula. And also even just when you actually gave birth, we were what, like two weeks late? <laughs> a little more than that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why you we thought, oh, we gave you plenty of time. And now you're right. a baby because right. so late. So
2: I, a little secret is I give birth at home with midwives that so let me go overdue. And I have a family history of going very overdue. 44. Yeah don't do this at home no <laughs> <laughs> listen if you have a history and you're you're
1: oh, my, my midwife
2: did they did you know have me go for a test to make sure everything's still okay and everything was still okay but we were going to cut off we were, we were going to tell her listen you have to get it anyways at one point so she decided to come on her own which was nice so we and gave her sam
1: she's fine Hashem, she's beautiful that is the best ending of all, but I don't want to end the podcast here. <laughs> I <laughs> wonder what your thoughts are. How, how are you going to work this in, in being a doula? Because I, I see such a clear message. Like I see the whole concept of birth plans and trying to plan it out when you really don't know what's going to happen is that your story is so powerful. Right. So in general, in a birth room, you always see Hashem always.
2: Um, and I've always had to struggle with my patachan. And I'm sure in the future, I will have to struggle again. But this whole fall and being alive after such a miracle changed my perspective. I, th- I think differently. I know Hashem's here. And there's a little less of a clutch in my head about <laughs> things. Will I be able to translate it? I haven't gone back to work yet. So will I be able to translate that to my mothers? I hope so. I hope I can, I hope I can
1: encourage them, you know, a little bit more. Um, I I think it's a powerful story and I think that you can, if you had one thing to leave us with, one thing maybe you wanna leave expectant moms with that they could keep in mind.
2: So not just about the topic of doulas, but I would love to leave them with that, just like we do research on our refrigerators, our ovens, our strollers are, you know, and we asked people why they liked their stroller, what worked for them. We should be doing the same research about our doctors, our midwives, mm-hmm. where we're giving birth and their doulas, not just, you mm-hmm. know, she was a great doula user. Right. What, what worked for you? Um, I once had a mom, came, she came to me and she said, my sister used to, but you told her some stories during birth. Please don't tell me those stories. <laughs> So I, I went back to the original, her sister, and I said, I really apologize. She's like, no, no, no. She said, I loved what you talked me through. It was great. I enjoyed everything you did, and I thank you so much for it. She says, I know my sister wouldn't appreciate it. So I'm just telling her that, she, you know, I'm asked to ask you not to say those things. So I know she's not going to appreciate that.
1: So, so interesting, yeah. right? Different strokes for different folks. Everybody's different. Right. But I think that's really, really important because that's a big part of what I do in this podcast is advocacy and that's real advocacy, right? right. You know, finding out who you want on your team. is your team you're building.
2: Right. Um, another thing you were mentioning, breastfeeding and bottle feeding. I don't push anything. I don't push anything. And maybe the beginning of my career, yes. But at this point, I'm understanding more and more, it's not just like a choice, like I decide to bottle feed. There's a reason to it. Whether it's, it's um, I had an IVF mom who decided not to feed her baby breast milk because she couldn't measure the amount of milk and it was too stressful to her to mm-hmm. know her baby's gonna stay alive. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. I have a mom who doesn't get milk and she actually has postpartum depression because she cannot nurse. Um, you need to choose the way to
1: feed your kid, And we need to stress, fed is best. Exactly. Fed and love is best. Exactly, and people who wanna hear more about that, we did podcasts on breastfeeding, <laughs> several on feeding, including one on bottle feeding, which is under talked about because there's such a stress you know, on breastfeeding. And I love that because I think both birth stories, you know, birth histories and you know, feeding histories are both cause so much unnecessary guilt and angst in moms. And so I I love that you're out there helping moms, you know, get the best birth they can, you know, healthy mom, healthy baby, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I love that. So I want to thank you so much for doing this with me. This is amazing. Welcome. Um, One more
2: message I'll leave you with. Sure. Hashem made C-section for a reason. Uh Uh-huh. Like like if they end up with a C-section, they shouldn't feel bad. Right. Hashem chose it and they should just, you know, yes, I'm sure they mourn they're not being able to have a vaginal birth. Um, not all, some chose it, um, but it's okay. It's okay. You know, Hashem cho- chose it and this path of this baby.
1: Right, and that's why I see, you know, the role of the dual in no matter what type of birth it is, right, is to support the mom and feeling good about the birth and and that everybody should be healthy and well. Right thank you so much you're welcome have a good job as everybody should be Shabbos. well i mean take oh, care you too
0: thanks for listening to the joma preventative health podcast if you've enjoyed this please rate and review us on apple Podcasts and share this with your friends for more information check out our instagram at joma underscore org. check out our website www joma.org, that's jowm org, or email us at health at joma.org.